Welcome to the Vision Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and everything happening at Vision, visit us online at visionnwa.com. I want to read a scripture and then I I want to pray. Um, The title of my message this morning is The Invisible Enemy. And I want to read to you, if you have your Bible, turn over to Ephesians chapter 6. Thirteen weeks ago, um, our life really changed a lot because this coronavirus thing began to happen overseas. And then it turned into a pandemic when it left one continent and came to our continent, you know. And so things began to get shut down and things began to adjust and, and we began to do different things, you know. And I heard the media call it and different people called this coronavirus or COVID-19 the invisible enemy. And, but I want to talk to you about a different invisible enemy this morning, and his name is Satan. And Satan is very crafty. He's very deceptive. And he is a pro at making things look one way, and you can't trace it back to him. He kind of likes to fly under the radar. Uh, he's incognito. And he wants to stay that way, because if the emphasis isn't isn't on him, then people will always blame something else or someone else. And so let's read in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, beginning in verse 10. I'm reading to you out of the NLT. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor, not some of it. Everybody say all all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. Say that to your neighbor. I am not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in heavenly places. Let's pray together. Heavenly Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you're going to do here this morning. Lord, give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to receive. In Jesus' name. And look at your neighbor and say, that's a big fat amen right there. You can be seated. (laughs) See, you can't confirm the presence of something that you can't sense in the natural. You know, um, we live in a natural world world. I don't have to tell you that, but everything here we can see, taste, touch, and feel, right? We can experience. Everything in the natural um, is, was produced by what is in the spiritual. If you go back to the book of Genesis and you read chapter one of Genesis and you read about the creation, you will find a God that spoke things into existence, Things became and existed because God spoke them in that way, but they did not exist prior. In in Genesis, it talks about how there was this great expanse and there was nothing. And God said, let there be light, right? There There might have been a big bang when the light came on. After God spoke, you know, we don't know. But we do know this is that it wasn't there before, but God spoke and then all of a sudden it happened. 
and it came into being. So everything that we experience right now, all of the natural things around you, all the people that you see exist because they were created by what was unseen before, by the word of God. God spoke and what was unseen turned in to seen, right? So, so here's the thing. We have always been fighting an unseen enemy. The devil has been around for a long time, a lot longer than you and I. I'm only 53 years old, thank God. I'm a young man. And, and, but the enemy, the devil, he has been around a lot longer. And so he's become a pro at deception. He's become a pro at flying under the radar, right? In 1 Peter chapter 5, let's read this. And because of his craftiness, because he's learned to fly under the radar, because he's learned to, you know, to be so deceptive and, and undetectable, then the Bible has given us some instruction here in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. It says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil. Now notice it says, your adversary. Who's your adversary? The devil. Yeah, he walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So he's walking around like a roaring lion. He's not a roaring lion, but he's like one. He's doing the same things that a roaring lion does. The roaring lion looks for easy prey. And I got to tell you, one time we were down in Texas and we were in this uh, tributary staying in this cabin that this pastor owned. And when we were on this tributary, they had a dock that was just like the end of this stage. So it was the dock, four inches down was the water. Boom. Or five inches down is the water. And I remember uh, because it was so close to the water and the water was very murky. And so I thought, I wonder since this is a tributary, if there's alligators in this water. You know, I mean, it's a, so, so I didn't sit down on the edge and put my feet in. You know what I'm saying? How many of you with me? And so, so, so I remember one time, Nicole was, by, was sitting back here. They had a nice bench back here. And she's sitting and she's reading. And I walked over to the edge. And I looked down, at, but it was so murky, but I could see something. And I thought, and it wasn't moving. You know how alligators like to sit still, like they're... Like, like they're, you don't have to put the picture up yet, but you know, like they're a log or a piece of wood sitting in the water, right? And so, so I, but I couldn't see it, but I thought that doesn't look normal, what that is, you know? And I remember looking down in it and I walked, I walked back and I, when I came back, I talked to Nicole, came back, it was gone. And I went, oh, now I'm really not putting my feet in there. You know what I'm saying? You know? Because this is, this is the way the enemy is. That alligator, which later I saw him, saw his snout and saw him swimming around early in the morning the next morning. And I realized I, he was looking at me as prey. That's a pretty sobering feeling. How many of you think I should be sober and vigilant, right? The, the Passion Translation says this, be well balanced and alert. Well balanced. You know what that means? You're solid. You can't be easily tripped up because 
you're well balanced. So I want to talk to you this morning about some things that you should know about your invisible enemy. If you're taking notes, things you should know about your invisible enemy. How many of you ready? Okay, good, good. John, the first thing you need to know is this, is that he is a deceiver. In John chapter 8, verse 44, it says that there is no truth in the enemy. Jesus said this, that there is no truth in him. He is not capable of speaking the truth. Man, and he's a major deceiver. And so you remember in the garden when he came to Eve and Eve was already looking at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you know, and here he is. And the first thing that he said to her was, did God really say? That's one of the first things that he does, I notice, whenever he comes, is that he wants to try and convince you that what God said is somehow not true or is a half-truth. He's, he's okay with you even believing that it may be a half-truth. And so he's real sneaky in that. You know what he makes me think of is you guys remember, the, you remember when, the, when the Greek were trying to invade the city of Troy? And they had, they had tried to besiege it for 10 years. I know this can kind of get mythology here, but, but bear with me here. But, you know, they tried, they tried to siege it for 10 years and they couldn't. And so they finally acted like they left, pretended like they left, but they left a gift of a horse. And what was inside the horse? All the soldiers, the Trojan horse, right? They bring it in the city and, oh no. So this is, kind of, this is the way the enemy is right? He's always looking for a plan. He's always looking for a way that he can get in. But here's the deal. If we are fighting in the natural and Satan is in the spiritual realm, we're fighting in the natural realm, then we're fighting on the wrong battlefield. You know, if we were going to go to war against France, we wouldn't attack Belgium. I mean, what, what sense would that be, right? Because our war is with France. And so fighting a spiritual battle in a natural realm is like shadow boxing. You're just taking swings at air, but you're not hitting anything. And so let's now show the picture of the alligator here because I, I, I'm not trying to make this about alligators this morning, but I thought it was interesting that alligators love the water, and so they try to lure their prey into the water. That alligator probably would have loved for me to be in the water. You know, because they, they're not designed to do battle on land. They're ineffective, you know, in trying to capture prey on land. They're much more effective in the water. And so that's what the enemy tries to do. Satan tries to do is he wants to lure you into the physical realm. He wants to hold you captive in the physical realm so that he can be over here in the spiritual realm knowing that the spiritual realm is what controls the physical realm anyway. And as long as you're trying to fight over here, as long as you're fighting all these battles over here, then woohoo, I'm free to do whatever I, I, whatever I wanna mess with over here in the spirit realm, I can mess with. Because we can't defeat him in the natural realm. Oh, yeah. So, so this is why the devil tries to keep us over here. I mean, never forget that he's the God of this world. Now, let's see an example of that. 
Um, in John chapter 18, you remember Peter, bless his heart, Peter, you know, he, he was sleeping when he was supposed to be praying. He was talking when he was supposed to be listening. But he was also fighting when he was supposed to be surrendering. You remember? You remember when the, when the, when the soldiers came to get Jesus and they were going to take him away. And Peter, the night before, said, I'll die with you, Lord, you know, no one, you know, this is not going to happen to you. And he took his sword out. And what did he do? He cut the ear off of the guy. One of the, one of the slaves of the priests, Malchus, he cut off his right ear. Now, what is Peter doing? Because Jesus then rebuked him. Don't, what is Jesus saying? He's saying, don't fight a spiritual battle in the physical. Don't, this is a spiritual fight. Let me tell you, I, I, I'm excited to get to go to heaven because we'll get to see behind the scenes of what really happened with Jesus. I mean, the physical, I, I, personally, I believe that it, it wasn't so much, he wasn't as, Oh, you know, all this pressure that was on him when he was praying. I, I, don't, I, I don't believe that it was only the, the pain of the cross that he was going to go through that, that was bugging him. But he had to go to hell. And he experienced your hell and my hell. But he arose victorious. And his biggest thing was that he was going to be separated from his father. Man. Jesus focused on the spiritual fight. So with that said, your spouse is not your enemy. Come on, somebody. Your friends are not your enemy. Your kids are not your enemy, no matter how they're acting. Come on. Other drivers are not your enemy. Oh, got some conviction going on in the room. I could feel it. Your boss is not your enemy. <laughs> Come on. Your coworkers are not your enemy. All right, I'm going to venture out here. Come on, somebody. Your mother-in-law is not your enemy. People are not your enemy. They're not our enemy. We only have one enemy. Who's that enemy? Come on, Satan is that enemy. In John chapter 10, this is a very familiar verse, but look at this verse. John chapter 10, verse 10 says, the thief does not come except for three reasons, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Satan is the enemy, and that's all he cares about. He's not gonna make deals with people. You know, some people talk about, man, I, you know, hell's going to be a big party. No, it's not going to be a party. I got news for you. And you might as well find out now before you go there, because that would be a bad thing. So, so let me tell you. So it's hard to fight, though. I mean, if you're fighting here and you're focused on people being your problem, you're focused on the challenges that you have at work, the challenges that you have, you know, uh, with people in your life that create problems, create circumstances and situations. If you're busy doing that, then how are you going to be able to fight over here? See, it's hard to fight what you cannot see, right? 
Number two, he uses division. The enemy is using division. He has used it all along. Divide and conquer. What did Abraham Lincoln say? A house divided against itself cannot stand. He's quoting the word of God. So division is a big tool that, he's, that he uses. What, what's he doing right now in, in our nation? Many of the things that we're seeing in, in government, in the different riots that are taking place, the root of them is division. People don't agree. Number three, he uses diversions. Diversions. I, this was so interesting to me. You know, I, I've read, I've been reading lately about Napoleon. He was, a, he was an interesting, interesting guy, you know. Um, um, but when it came to warfare, he was super creative. I mean, he was really brilliant. And so there was this one time I was reading about this in 1805 when Napoleon and his unit, they were wanting to take Austria. And there was one bridge that went across into Austria. It was called the, Dan, the, Danube, or the Danube River, River, if I'm saying it right. And so there's only one bridge going across into Austria. And so they needed to go across that bridge. But the Austrians had put uh, all kinds of explosives under the bridge. In case he tried to go across, they'd blow it up. And then on top of that, they were all there with their artillery. And they were watching over that bridge. No, no Napoleons coming across this bridge. So Napoleon met with his officials and they created this plan. Many of you are shaking your head. You already know, you've already heard this story. But here he comes. Here Napoleon comes and his, all of his army guys, the officers with him. And they're laughing and they're cheering. And the enemy is confused because they're just walking right up to the bridge at gunpoint. And the enemy is looking at him and he said, haven't you guys heard? The war's over. They signed an armistice. This thing's over. Oh, really? And they bought it. And here came Napoleon and all of his army walking right across the bridge, right into Austria, un unhindered. I'm telling you, I, how many of you think that the enemy creates situations where people get so wrapped up in what's going on physically, in the physical fight? while he's walking across the bridge into your life to take more ground. Man, think about it. Why? Because when we're stuck over here, when we're concerned about what he said, what she said, how they made me feel, and we're not fighting in the spirit realm. Sometimes we only fight the big fights in the spirit realm. Like you guys have heard me tell the story of when my mom had her massive heart attack, you know, and man, we fought. It was a spiritual battle. We fought in the spirit realm. We went to prayer. I mean, we focused on prayer. Well, <clears throat> I was remembering back to when uh, Nicole and I, we used to have this. How many of you remember this, the Volkswagen Vanagon? Remember the Vanagons? It was after the bus. And so it was a step between the bus and the Eurovan. They had the Vanagon. And the Vanagon was like this boxy rectangle box was what it was, really. And huh? it was a fishbowl because it had windows all the way around it, you know. And, and you rode over the front. I mean, you know, if you were ever in an accident, you were right there, you know. It was, you know, it was like a semi with the flat nose semis. Remember that? And so, you know, we had this Vanagon. 
And I remember one day, we're, we're college and career pastors in Tulsa, and we're driving one day, and we're on our way somewhere because we took that van everywhere. Man, we, were, we always had college students in it, and we were taking them different places. And here we are, we're driving this van one day, and all of a sudden, it just quits going. What happened? I mean, I push on the gas, and the gas goes, woo, woo, but it's like, did the transmission go out? What happened? I mean, everything seemed right. It seemed like it was shifting smooth, but I couldn't go anywhere. And so we pushed it because those Vanagans were super light. You know, we just pushed it into a parking lot. And I looked underneath and, well, no, I didn't. This, that was another car. That was my Mercedes. You know, I lost my drive shaft one time out of the Mercedes. So that was another car. But this one, it just it wouldn't go. And so, you know, we didn't, it was Oklahoma, so, you know, my dad got his car, and we got a chain, and he dragged me over to the, the VW place where they fix VWs, and we dropped it off, and, and so they said, well, we'll call you, we'll, we'll take a look at it, we'll give you a call. So they call me, and they said, well, and I don't remember the part, forget, we got a guy that owns a mechanic here, in the, and you would know, but I don't, so I'm going to call it the canooter valve, because that's what I call things, I don't know what they are. Um, so... He said, okay, well, it's your canoe valve. It went out and you're going to need to replace it. And it's going to be about 1700 bucks. Man, canoe valves are expensive. I said, 1700 bucks. I mean, we didn't have $1,700. And so I got off of the phone. And so I told Nicole, I said, well, here's what they told me. It's going to be $1,700. And I said, I think we should pray. And I was beginning to learn about doing battle in the spirit realm instead of just only fighting in the physical. Because if I only fight in the physical, I'm restricted to my ability. But if I fight in the spiritual, whoa, hold on. Now I'm putting God's super on my natural. And man, I'd rather have his super any day than my natural, wouldn't you? And so anyway, so we, I said, honey, let's pray. And so one of the college and career guys was in the office and we joined hands and we prayed. We prayed. Uh, for the canooter valve. <laughs> they would figure it out. And so they looked at it. And so anyway, I, so we prayed, got done praying. I get a call back and they said, hey, we just looked at your van again. And you know what? It's not the canooter valve. It's the doohickey. And the doohickey uh, is really the thing that needs to be replaced. I said, okay, awesome. How much are doohickeys? And he said, well, that one's $32. I said, glory to God, man, fix it. Yeah, fix the doohickey. And he put the doohickey on it. It worked great. So, so wouldn't you rather fight in the spirit than fight in the natural? So, so, but why are we spending so much time over here in the natural? You want to know why I think we are? Because we get our feelings hurt. We get emotionally attached. We get wrapped up in, in how we feel in the moment and in the anger or the frustration or the disappointment or whatever it is. And, there's, and we're stuck over here. And the whole time, the Holy Spirit, I mean, and the enemy, he loves it. Because now you're buying what he's selling. Because the enemy doesn't have the ability. This is the ability he has, is he can sow thoughts. Boy, they really don't like you. 
boy, man, your boss, he's never going to give you a raise. You're never going to get that promotion. This is, these are thoughts that come. And he just sows them as seed. Why? Because I want to keep you in this corner, fighting in your strength instead of God's strength, where you can come over here and say, God, I don't understand it. I don't know what happened over there. I don't know why they don't like me. I don't know why things seem the way they do. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm laying it all down right now. And God, I'm asking you, intervene. I invite you to intervene, to work on my behalf. And what are you doing? Man, you're changing the atmosphere. I'm asking the keys to come up. Keyboard. Number four. Okay, we have family in our church with the last name Keys, so I don't want them thinking I'm asking them to come up. So, so number four, I've been trying to think of another name, and I don't know what to think. So, Rebecca, come on. So, so number four is the enemy, he's a discourager. What about this? What about when you've had something that you've been standing for for a long time? You've been praying. You say, Phil, I've been doing battle in this. I've been doing my battle in the spirit. I come into my war room and man, I'm praying and I'm believing for this and I'm standing steadfast. Yeah, I know you are. But what happens to you when the enemy says, it's never going to happen? I mean, it's been 10 years. What makes you think it's going to change? What happens to you then? What happens to your faith? Do you begin to slip over back here into the natural and think, well, maybe some, I've seen some parents kick themselves. Well, if I could have only raised them differently, if I could have only made this decision, and then the enemy goes, yeah, you know, you, you didn't do a great job. And you begin to kick yourself. And what's going, what's happening? You're, you're over here back in the natural when earlier you were in the spirit. And God is saying, hey, come back over here. Hey, Continue to stand in faith. Continue to believe. Continue to agree. Things will change if you don't give up. Man, come on. He, we have the victory in Him. I love this statement. It was in a song. A friend of mine wrote a song called I Can Do All Things Through Christ Who Strengthens Me. And one of his one of the lines he used in that song was every obstacle turns into an opportunity every obstacle becomes an opportunity man I'm telling you you may see obstacles in your life but they're only opportunities to see the victory you may be going through something right now in the physical but it's an opportunity for God to change it for God to heal it for God to restore it for God to bring it back man so how do I fight, Phil? How do I fight an invisible enemy? I got good news for you. With an invisible weapon. Serious. Turn over to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Come on, get happy. I'm wrapping up here. Coming in for a landing. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 says this. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. That means they're not physical. He's got much better weapons than we do. They're spiritual, and they're going to make a difference. 
They're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Things that the enemy, that's what the enemy is about is strongholds. How can I, how can I bring them over here and I can create a stronghold here for them to stay put? Mm, mm, how can I do that? It's looking for a way. But this says, no, wait a minute. The weapons of our warfare. Come on. We're, we're soldiers in the army of the living God, right? So he has given us a weapon. How many of you saw that movie, uh, um, Captain America? Remember? Okay, I, I know I'm, I'm branching out here. Going to Hollywood just for a moment. But, but you remember when, when, they, when they invaded the first Hydra place and, they, and, and the military guys, the, guy, the soldiers that were with him, they, the one dude got a hold of that gun that he'd never seen before, didn't even know what he did, did it what it did and then he fired it for the first time and he went oh that's what it does come on that was a weapon that was beyond his ability right God I'm trying to give you a pictorial I don't know if it's working but come on <laughs> the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty in God and so here's what I think needs to happen is that we need to awaken the giant that's on the inside of us the spirit being that is on the inside of us. Okay, so at the onset of World War II, Germany was attacking Europe, right? They were, they were taking over Poland and Austria and they were beginning to take over these different nations and, and expand. And so they, they allied themselves with Japan and said, hey, if you guys attack, you know, the nations over there and take control of the Pacific, we'll get control of Europe and we'll own this whole, th whole thing. And so Japan thought, okay, so how, what's the best way to attack America? Because they're the biggest thing to contend with. And so they came up with this plan to bomb Pearl Harbor because that's where all the American Navy ships are. If we can destroy most, if not all, of the American ships, we'll own the Pacific. And so that was their plan. So they came in, they bombed Pearl Harbor. But there was a Japanese general and he made a statement after they bombed Pearl Harbor. He said, I fear all that we have done is awaken a sleeping giant. And that's exactly what happened. Because the, America, because the United States up to that point had, they, we had tried to stay out of what was going on in Europe. We were, we were staying neutral. And sometimes that's what Christians are doing. They're staying neutral. They're like, yeah, well, I know that's going on. And, you know, but that's just a part of life, you know. Well, yeah, but don't you want help with life? Wouldn't you rather have gone super on your natural So here's what I'm, here's what I'm driving at. <clears throat> it's time for us to awaken the sleeping giant, the spirit man that's on the inside of us, you know, and not choose not to fight over there anymore. Realize there's people that aren't living for God. There's people that yield themselves to thoughts that the devil brings. 
at times. And they can get mad. Come on, all of us have been there. I've yielded. And I thought, man, God, sorry. You know, and I've had to apologize and I've had to make amends, realizing that I yielded to frustration or anger or resentment. I mean, the list goes on and on. But as long as we're fighting over here, we're not gonna be able to defeat our enemy. You defeat him here in the spirit realm. So I wanna pray for you this morning. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're going through a battle right now. You've got situations going on, circumstances going on in your life. And you're saying, God, I, I mean, you're, maybe you're even telling your spouse, I don't know what we're gonna do. I don't know how this is gonna work out. I don't know how to do this. We need an intervention. We need something to take place. And the whole time, here's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's saying, I'm right here. I'm right here. I'm your helper. That's my job. I'll help you if you'll let me. But no, we've got experience. We've got know-how. We've got education. We've got all this ability. No, I got this, God. I got this. The whole time, the Holy Spirit's saying, yeah, but there's things that you don't know. There's things that I can help you with that you don't understand. Please let me help. Please let me help. But he's a gentleman. He's not going to force you to do anything. That's the devil. The devil tries to force people to do stuff. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Just search Vision Church. If you would like to help support this ministry, you can do so at visionnwa.com forward slash give.